Hey, Jesse here. Are you looking for a little extra focus in your day? Go to extrafocus.com and sign up for my free weekly newsletter. It's a lot like this podcast, but in written form and delivered directly to your inbox once a week so you can read it at your own pace. I always keep it short so it's a quick read to help inspire your week with ADHD strategies and more. And speaking of strategies, when you sign up, you'll also get access to my ADHD strategy guide, the five pillars of ADHD. And if you want to take it to the next level, you can sign up for the paid version of the newsletter. It's like giving me a high five, uh, but with your wallet. Seriously, thank you for the support. It helps keep the lights on and allows me to continue to do this important work. Again, just go to extrafocus.com to sign up today. And a lot of those skills are the same skills that we develop in just having so many interests and, and wanting to do so many different things. And we like take from all of them and then incorporate them into our unique career set that we have today. Hey, my name is Jesse J. Anderson, host of the ADHD Nerds Podcast, the show where we talk about living with ADHD and have some fun along the way. This is episode nine, and today I'm talking with Jay Miller. Jay is a senior cloud advocate at Microsoft, and as an advocate, Jay has appeared on numerous podcasts, video channels, and presenting developers all over the globe, recently at folks in Nigeria, entrepreneurs at South by Southwest, and developers worldwide at Python's largest conference, PyCon. Jay works in developer relations, which is shortened to DevRel. Uh, we mentioned that a few times in the episode, and I didn't want you to be trying to figure out what we were saying if you're not familiar with the term. We do talk about it a little bit later in the episode. But first, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Llama Life. Say goodbye to never-ending lists and hello to daily bliss. Llama Life is a perfect tool for managing time-boxed working sessions. You can whiz through your monstrous to-do list, finish your work on time, and get the things done that you said you would do. To get your free trial, go to ADHDnerds.com slash llama, that's L-L-A-M-A, and get started today. And you can save 20% by using the coupon code JESSELLAMA20. That's J-E-S-S-E-L-L-A-M-A-2-0. Now let's get to the show. Hey, Jay, it is uh, great to have you here. Hey, happy to happy to be on the show. Uh, I know I'm in good company when, when you get recommended by uh, previous guests and uh, famous ones at that too. So, <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So let's kind of jump right into it. Uh, I, I always love to start the show kind of hearing your own history with ADHD, like when, you know, maybe what it was like growing up and if you knew something was different, what that was like and what eventually led to you finding out that you had ADHD. Well, well since... Since in the pre-recording, you hit me with with the the deep cut gem of of me talking about my ADHD story on shows I did years ago. Yeah, growing up, I I wasn't very studious and. I was quote unquote hard headed. Uh, the the <laughs> thing that we often hear, uh, at least at least that I heard, like growing up growing up in like the South as like a, a black kid in like a predominantly white town, it was like great, awesome athlete could pay more attention in like school and stuff and mm -hmm. but that's okay athletics will take him all the way and no <laughs> it didn't um <laughs> so um in in kindergarten like one my my grandfather and my family was always like pressing academics you want to be learning you want to be constantly learning this is a thing that i still believe to this day like constantly learning constant like i love watching like youtube videos and like learning things um mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i went into kindergarten already knowing how to read like already like the writing thing, read, reading, writing, and at least some basic arithmetic stuff, like 
done. We, we've been we've been on that. So I was teaching first graders how to read in kindergarten, like going to their class <laughs> and like reading to them and saying like, oh, this is this. And when I got to first grade, that posed a problem because I had, I had done the things and, and it was kind of a workbook system where like they give you, you know, you buy the, the book and you buy the workbook with it and I would get bored. And like one day the teacher was like, well, just go ahead and like go through the book. And I was like, I can't. I already did. <laughs> and this is right. like the first like month of being in first grade. And they're like, you've gone, <laughs> you've gone through the entire book, like the entire workbook for the, for the school year. So they were like, well, um, now what, now what? <laughs> so I wound up skipping first grade and going into second and kind of going through that process. And I, it was, it was like, basically that was my life it was like, I'm just going to keep reading. I'm going to keep doing the thing and mm. straight A student all the way up until like middle school that I was like an AB student. And then when I got to high school, things changed. I went one, I went to, uh, we moved, we moved to a different city and then I went, I got enrolled into what was called the pre-engineering program, which was basically this gifted program that you had to test into, which I tested into fine, that was designed to give students the advantage when starting college as engineering majors. And at the time mm -hmm. in my mind, I was like, I, I know about computers and I was like, oh, you know, I want to do jump into computing. Let me do that. Mechanical engineering with like computer hardware engineering, like that whole thing. Let me do that. And it was the first time that I was actually challenged. But because I'd never like had to study for things, <laughs> it was like, well, I don't know how to actually study or prepare for these things. And again, right. hard headed, you know, I'd stopped doing sports at that time. So there was no like athletics, you know, idea. And I struggled, but finished that program. I was one of three people that actually finished the program. A lot of people, it has a really high drop rate, um, but I finished it fairly, but I graduated. C's make <laughs> degrees, in this case, C's make diplomas. Um, <laughs> so I'll take it. And then I started college and realized quickly that living on my own, having no stability, no system, and being in college taking like chemistry and like calculus two and all this other stuff that like I wasn't prepared for really put me in a bind. So I wound up dropping out and joining the military. And regardless of people's opinions of, you know, serving, as, you know, in the U.S., the military gave me the first semblance of stability and routine in my entire life. Um, so I did that for five years. I served a Marine Expeditionary Unit, deployed, got to travel all over Southeast Asia and see the world, meet new people, again, constantly learning, learning about yeah. new cultures, learning new cuisine, learning all these new things and getting into teaching and teaching like people how to do my job because I was on a deployment team. My job was to bring people in train them up for a deployment, deploy, and then watch them leave as a new people set of people came in. And I just kept doing that over and over again. But that was the right. process. And I was okay with that. Mm -hmm. So in the end, that wound up, I wound up doing that for five years. I got out, got married, started working in IT and lost all that stability, all that routine. Went mm -hmm. from being told mm -hmm. when to do everything from like never being told anything and being fearful for my job. Um, mm -hmm. I'll skip the productivity stuff because I think we're going to come back to that later. I got really heavy <laughs> into productivity. It was very much like an addiction for me. And then I realized how toxic that was. Moved, moved <laughs> in. Eventually, I got into programming and decided that I wanted to become a developer. At the time, I was a system administrator. So I started automating myself out of a job. 
quite literally. I would go to work, take a spreadsheet that had all the things that I had to do for the day. And I had a script that would like process the spreadsheet and <laughs> just do the things. So yeah, yeah. I would go to work, hit a button, and then get up and walk around the building for eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> that and, is awesome. And finally, the script broke. And like, I, at the time I'd gotten out of IT because I just realized like, oh, this is boring. I want a new challenge. Mm -hmm. went into marketing was doing the same thing for the same like same like automating myself out of that role but at the same company and when the script broke i knew how to do the things because i had automated like even though i, I had automated the process i had to know how to automate the process right, yeah but i couldn't figure out i couldn't like force my my body and my brain to do the work mm-hmm and because the script had failed me, I'd lost like confidence that I could just like, oh, let me go here and you know set this to this and just be on my merry and like back to normal. Mm -hmm. So then I had a panic attack and I'm outside of my boss's window, panicking, hyperventilating, creaking out. My boss comes out and comes next to me and you know, great guy. And he says, look, I can't tell you to go see a doctor, but I can tell you now my son has ADHD. My son has ASD. Go talk to someone. Mm -hmm. I like people have seen this. They see you roaming the hallways. They don't know what you're doing. They think you're not working. I know you're working. I know you're smart enough to just automate all this stuff and like get out of here. There is, there are protections set up for you if there is something wrong. I'm not telling you there's something wrong, but know that if this is how you have to work because this is how you're wired to work and a doctor says that, mm -hmm. you're going to be okay. If not, then we really need to figure this out or we need to figure out like an exit strategy that's going to work out. So at this time, you know, I'm, I'm still like, I'm 29 at this point and I've, I've outgrown the, the stereotypical like ADHD squirrel joke, shiny joke, like the things that we laugh about now that we're like, because they're true, but also like when we, when you hear people <laughs> who like are not diagnosed say that it's like, it offends you a little bit. But, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So it's I, like, I, okay. It's like, yeah. okay, there's a little bit of truth to that, but Hey, I can make the joke, not you. In the, in the end, I wind up, you know, going to see a psychiatrist and just in the conversation, he's like, how long have you been managing your ADHD? And I was like, well, first of all, what? And then like, second of all, <laughs> what? <laughs> I've never, I've never, I guess right. this is day one. <laughs> so yeah, like that's, mm -hmm. I literally found out by having my wife take my ADHD test for me because I felt like I would overanalyze and lie. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, and then after afterwards I took it and yeah, I, I definitely overanalyzed it. <laughs> so I was like, here's, here's what I put, here's what my wife put. And they looked at both of them right. and they're like, they're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, you know, and it's just real, yeah. real obvious when you see it out like that. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the good thing about that was it, but again, I was 29 when I found out and it put 29 years of life into perspective. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of things that, again, being constantly told, oh, you know, oh, he's just hardheaded or, you know, why don't you find something and stick with it? Don't, don't change mm -hmm. what you want to do, you know, every, you know, year or two, like think <laughs> of a thing and do that thing. Mm -hmm. Um, just understanding that it wasn't me being flawed. It was just, Hey, I'm, I think like this. And luckily for me, I quickly moved into an industry that allowed me to think like that mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. actually became 
a strong point in my career when I switched over to developer relations. Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, since then uh, it's it's been four years now, four years of of knowing that I have ADHD, and in the last few years I've been advocating for people who are getting diagnosed in their late twenties, early thirties, and actually I've had people who are in their sixties that are just like <laughs> like they yeah. they've literally messaged me like I went to a doctor, I've been in tears all day because there's so many things in my life that now just makes sense. Right. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, it's 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 wild how like it can just put your whole life into like this new perspective, being able to kind of understand, oh, that's why I did this. That's why I did that. Um, yeah. And I think the like finding finding that career or that career path or whatever it is that lines up, like I think that's almost why. Uh, yeah, like neurotypical people will say, you know, kind of like you mentioned, like stop changing jobs, stop changing your mind, like just find a place and stick there. But we know when it's not working. It's like, this just, this isn't going to work. I, I know, even before I knew I had ADHD, it's like, I know my brain enough that this is going to crash and burn. And so I just need to get out on my own terms before that happens and kind of keep finding. Like, I probably had, in my 20s, I probably had 30 different jobs. I don't think oh, that's wow. an exaggeration. I was just like all over. Like, I would do the thing where um, I don't even know how important this is now. But I remember back then thinking like, oh, I've got to stay at a place for like a year so that I, on my resume, it doesn't look bad that I'm jumping all over the place. So what I would do. Off. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I just took the dates off. I just put the year and then I just cut out all the jobs where I was like, ah, that job wasn't that, that important or I was only there for two months or whatever. So I would just pick my, my resume was just like, these are the jobs that I think look the best. And I just put the years next to it. And that'll that'll make it me look a little bit uh, more uh, reliable as an employee. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's that's just good resume building. Uh, right, you know, exactly. I mentioned I dropped out of college. Like, I don't put any education on my resume. <laughs> like, right. But also <laughs> having having been constantly pushed to kind of do a lot of different things. That's left me in a position to where, you know, I've I've been podcasting for almost a decade now. I've been working on audio and video stuff for years, for six, you know, mm -hmm. five, six, seven years. And I've been slowly teaching people how to do things since I was apparently in kindergarten. So like, you know, <laughs> right. doing all of these different things. And I am the I am the type of person that my resume has everything that I've done outside of my job. And then like when you go to like the job blurb it's like oh yeah I, I worked here once i i automated that stuff and i don't really i don't really know what i did like here are the right, highlights yeah. here I, I i won like newcomer of the of the month or whatever like you know whatever <laughs> um, but like other than that it was it was always like you know i've negotiated contracts with you know third parties to do sponsored video content for them you know i've right. i've you know, worked with advertisers. I've worked with brands to to talk about their product and get paid to do that. And to me, a lot of people look at the things that they do in their off time, like, oh, that's the thing that I do in my off time. I'm not a professional at that. It's like, no, when, when they were asking like five years of experience in programming, I was like, I started at Here's when I first started programming. So I was like, oh, yeah, I got way more than that. Like, I've, yeah, I've been, <laughs> right. been doing HTML and CSS since I was in middle school. Like, Yeah, like, same here, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I think because of sort of the way like society looks at these things, I think it's easy to um, it's easy to discount doing that kind of hobby jumping and like trying out all these different things like hobby jumping and career jumping 
And it's easy to kind of like look down on it because it's not how neurotypical people work. But kind of like you said, through that, I think we were able to discover these uh, these passions and develop these skills. Because like I'm, I'm a front-end developer now and that started from being a graphic designer. And the only reason I was a graphic designer was because like the home, you know, the home computer, this is back when, you know, you didn't have your own computer. There was one home computer and uh, on it, my dad had Photoshop. And so I just started like making flyers for my band and stuff like that. And then I found that to be really fun. And eventually it kind of blossomed in a, into a, a career, even though that was not my intention at all. And I loved how you glazed over the whole, like I was in a band thing, like that, that whole, <laughs> right, that whole yeah. piece of it. Like uh-huh. th- that is, and, and also just, we also had a family computer and I hope that yours was in the kitchen or like in the little, if there was like a little <laughs> kitchen area, like in the corner. We had, it, it was, it, ours was part of the living room. So there was, okay. yeah, there was, it was like a little, like one of those kind of, I don't know, it's like a little cart you could push around. Yeah. Like it wasn't really a desk. It was like a cart that had like a keyboard tray and the computer sat on top of that. We, we had a, we had a little like a bar, the kind of thing that like separated the kitchen from the living room. So yeah, it was, oh, def- yeah, it was like yeah. in the corner on there. So right, <laughs> right. definitely, definitely picking up, picking up the, the same feelings there. Yeah, but, yeah. But I think that even in that being in a band, like I'm sure you had a MySpace page. Like, oh yeah, sure, like you know, <laughs> that was the first thing of like every everyone who has ever been in a band has done like MySpace in some way because you had to put your music somewhere, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so like same here, a bunch of music. I used to collect guitars. Now I get rid of them because it's better <laughs> that somebody uses them than for them to collect dust here. Right. But right. but. To just think about, oh, when I think about music, I don't only think about the music that I listen to, because I listen to virtually everything from the 60s till now, but (laughs) also how I think about when I'm making a video and how music needs to incorporate feeling in the videos that I'm making. Mm -hmm. And I mean, sure. You can take, you know, a LinkedIn learning course on how to do all that stuff. Or you could have just been in a band in like <laughs> high school and been like, oh, you remember we did that bunch? Oh, I was totally getting these vibes, like that whole right, feeling. Right. And a lot of those skills are the same skills that we develop in just having so many interests and, and wanting to do so many different things. And we like take from all of them and then incorporate them into our unique career set that we have today. At least for me, like being in DevRel is truly like I, I have been told we hired you because you do so many things things like you don't have to do all of them perfectly like we have people that focus on doing them the problem is they come in and they talk to us and we're like i don't know what you're talking about and so like having somebody that speaks the language even a little bit Mm. it it helps to navigate the process so much easier so sure the fact that you can do programming is a plus the fact that you can get up on stage and talk about it and be in you know enthusiastic and charismatic and all those other things that make me feel anxious when i talk about myself using those terms like mm. sure that's all great but the fact that you can talk to somebody that we're going to have to rely on to make our project a success and you know what they're talking about. Like when you talk to the audio producer and he goes, oh, we're going to we're going to need you to do a double end. Are you OK with that? It's like, yeah, I've got all of the equipment at home. I've got like all of my audio and video editing tools. Hey, what format do you want this in? You know, right, do you want right. this at, you know. 4k 30 do you want it at 1080 60 like and and they're just sitting there they're like 
someone that knows <laughs> like, they're so excited and yeah. it, it it makes it easier for one for people to be like yes i want to work with jay i don't necessarily it becomes easier for me to do my job because people want to work with me because they know that I understand what they're going to have to go through. So I work to make their job easier, which also makes my job easier because they don't have to tell me 17 times. Mm -hmm. But the other side of that is they're so excited about that that like they actively go to my boss and they're like, hey, or they just message me and they go, hey, I want to do this. What's the right way to do it? And then I also speak my boss's language. So then it's like mm -hmm. I, I can mm -hmm. talk to the video people, get what they want to do and then put it in terms so that like my team understands. But then I can also do the other way around uh, and, and kind of be that that interpreter for a lack of a better phrase. And when you have a team of people that are all capable of doing that, it just makes everything run so smoothly. So what I've I've come to learn are some of the the more visible prolific people in my industry have all been diagnosed with ADHD like like <laughs> recently like this happened so it's it's just like oh this is just a job for us like this is <laughs> this is a job made for us I guess I don't know <laughs> right right that's so funny um yeah so you mentioned the DevRel which we're just kind of going into like for people that aren't really familiar could you kind of break down DevRel which stands for you know developer relate uh developer relations relationship yeah. 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 So relations. Yeah. Yeah. So could you kind of? I know you kind of went over some of it, but like, what is that? What does that mean? Why? Why do you think it's like kind of uniquely suited uh, for your ADHD brain? So as as a a developer advocate or a cloud advocate, as as it's called at Microsoft, uh, where I work. Hi, I work at Microsoft. I think. Um, <laughs> my job is to get people excited about things that Microsoft is doing within you know, Visual Studio Code and Azure, and specifically within like Python, as that's the programming language that I, I stay in and I, I work mm -hmm. in and I, I know like JavaScript and all that other stuff, but Python's where I'm at. So how do I do that? Well, I could write a blog post and you know, that's always great. And I can do a YouTube video, I can jump on a live stream, I could go speak at a conference, like I can do any of those things. I can do all of those things. In fact, that's actually <laughs> my job is to do all of those things. Uh, uh -huh. So it's, it's ultimately the idea of like, understand what the company is working on, what they really want the community to know about and not necessarily be a salesperson. I, I call it being a hype man. Like <laughs> think about like Fave of Flav, like Flavor Flav, like getting up and just being like, yo, I really want you to know about Public Enemy. Like that was his job. <laughs> right. people, people don't know both people in Public Enemy, but the one that they do know is Flavor Flav, although he <laughs> literally said 5% of, <laughs> of the words right. that were on songs. And it's, it's interesting because that is in many ways my job. When someone goes, mm. oh man, I'm really upset about, you know, this thing not working the way that I want it to. It's not my job to be like, who cares? Stop talking. It's like, no, it's like, no, let me, let me get this feedback. Like, let me mm. know so I can take that back to my company. And if it's literally just a misunderstanding, if they're like doing something and they don't know that it's the right way to do it, it's my job then to be like, hey, have you tried this? And, right. or oh, hey, I've gotten a lot of people ask about this thing lately. Maybe I do a blog post about this or maybe I make a video about this or, you know, mm -hmm. hey, I found this really cool way of doing a thing. Maybe I talk about it at 
you know, this upcoming conference that's coming out, you know, there we, we do our little, I call them nerd gatherings. We do our nerd <laughs> gathering and uh-huh. like I get up on stage and I talk about a thing that I'm really excited about because usually it's something that I have figured out that I'm like, whoa, this is really cool. And like, I want to tell people about this. And it's great because my job is to learn about new things and tell people about it and tell about right. them. And that, how- that's <laughs> ideal for like ADHD. Yeah. Learn about things and, and tell people that that's like what we do naturally. So that seems like a really uh, perfect fit. Yeah. The, the thing that makes it even better is that in my opinion, the people who do the best job of advocating can take interests from outside of the product and link them to features and tools within the product. Because mm. as an advocate, I will tell you, no, people at conf- people who organize conferences are like sharks. <laughs> like they, <laughs> they don't want your sales pitches. Do not come like, oh, we're gonna talk about this new feature. If, if the feature isn't free and the feature doesn't help everybody and it's literally like, if, if I gotta sign up for something, no, count me out, we're not gonna talk about this. Right. The way that you do it is you talk about something else and you showcase it using your product. Right. Um, and for me, again, uh, I think we talked about this before, like talking about how like kind of an openness around mental health and diversity and understanding where I am and like the privilege that I've I've gained over the last few years just because of my career. What I've done is used my role as a way to address issues that I'm passionate about, but also to talk about things that just naturally interest me and things that are happening in my life, but do it in a way that gets to showcase features or products that, you know, my employer has. Mm -hmm. Well, it's so funny too, how you like, I think there's this weird combination of so many people with ADHD have, you know, dipped their toes in all these different fields and kind of learned all these different skills and stuff like that. And like you combine that with the fact that we're really, we're really good at kind of that divergent thinking and connecting things. So we have like this really diverse set of data because we've tried out all these different things. And then we also are really good at kind of pattern recognition. So I think that's where a lot of those really unique ideas and connections and things like that happen with from people that have ADHD because we just like naturally kind of uh, connect all those ideas. So earlier uh, you mentioned uh, productivity stuff and that's sort of you know, you've got a podcast where you talk a lot about that. And I'd love to hear maybe some of your, how you got into that world of productivity. I think it's really common for people with ADHD when, uh, you you know, especially when we don't know we have ADHD, we're like trying to figure out like, how the heck can I get this stuff done? Something is not letting me do the things I want to do. And so we kind of dive into the world of productivity. And I know you've said on Twitter, you're not maybe a huge fan of the getting things done of <laughs> way of doing things, which, uh, you know, previous, you know, previous guest Scotty Jackson he's a big fan of getting things done and for me it hasn't quite worked out for me but I'd love to hear yeah your take maybe on the problems with getting things done combined with ADHD brains and what other kind of productivity stuff has uh, worked for you so shout out to Scotty there (laughs) there's not a week that goes by where like Scotty and I have like we have each other's number like we we I literally was talking to him earlier today um just just as like a hey you know what do you what 
you got planned for the weekend? Da, 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 like that whole thing. Yeah. So I mentioned the military being that form of stability mm -hmm. and then like leaving the military, bringing about that loss of that routine and pattern. Uh, so when I started my first job outside of the military, it was like, hey, here, here is your job. These are all the things that you're responsible for. Have fun. Like, <laughs> like here you go. <laughs> right. Performance reviews in six weeks. Like, that, <laughs> there you go. So I really struggled with that because I didn't have the pieces in place where before it was like, wake up, go run a lot, go to work, inventory stuff, teach some stuff, or wake up, be on a boat somewhere in the middle of the ocean. I know it's a naval vessel, whatever. Be on a boat somewhere in the middle of the ocean. Uh, I, I'm doing this to save you because some people will get mad if you call a naval, a U.S. a U.S. naval vessel a a boat. Um, but it's a boat, whatever. But like all of all of that was gone. Like I I was mm -hmm. okay doing the same thing every day, or knowing that like from this day to this day, I'm going to be doing this and just this and then when that's done we're going to be doing this so i was in a panic i think that was probably one of the first panic attacks that happened um but no one saw that one uh, i was in my car sweating because it's hot and i was like all right i just got to figure out all the things so then I, I i wrote down like everything that i thought i had to do and what I found out eventually, and, and I'm going to fast forward, rewind, fast forward. I, what I eventually did was what was called like the Eisenhower matrix, where you have like the four mm -hmm. quadrants of urgent, important, and then not urgent, not important. And then you put them in four groups. Um, you put each task in one group and you work on the things that are like urgent and important. And mm -hmm. you like delegate some of the stuff that's not urgent or not important or whatever. Uh, you just drop everything that's in the last one. But so going back. <laughs> I, I didn't call it that. I, it was like the, like, do this or you're fired. <laughs> like, yeah. do this now or you're fired. Do this later or you're fired. Do this now, but no one's really going to care if you do it or not. And then, like, you can do this whenever and no one's really going to care if it ever gets done. And when I saw a picture of, like, the Eisenhower Matrix and I looked back at what I did and I was like, oh, there's an actual name for this that's not <laughs> just do this or you're fired. Um, <laughs> right. So what I wound up doing was going, oh, if, if that exists, like, what is what else exists? And I had heard mm. about, you know, things like Evernote and all that stuff. The whole idea was the things that I had been doing and later on I would find out because I was you know, giving myself self copes and like self ways to like, I don't want to say self medicate my ADHD, but self like treat my ADHD. Mm -hmm. A lot of these were productivity practices that already existed. So I did what anyone else would do. I, I started a podcast talking to people about, <laughs> about the different things that they're doing. What I realized was after like 10 episodes, I realized that every episode just sounded the same. And what I what I then understood was that people have been told the same thing over and over and over again. And the bad thing is that it doesn't work half the time. You know, if I'm working on a help desk and people tell you only check your email twice a day, well, my job is to check my email. If I don't <laughs> check my email, I lose my job. So I can't do that. And what I started to realize, and, and this is for, for people who want the canonized version of why I don't like GTD, GTD tells you to trust the process. I'm a basketball fan. I've been following what the 76ers had to go through the last few seasons and when their GM was like, trust the process. <laughs> yeah, the process didn't work for them. And then a bunch of people got fired. So if I have to trust the process, even though the process doesn't work for me, even though if the process has been untrustworthy, it didn't make sense. So mm -hmm. 
what I decided to do then was find what worked for people who felt like their situation was unique. Because I knew that if their situation, one, it wasn't actually unique, their job title might be unique. I interviewed someone who was a tightrope artist once. Like, I was like, yeah, that's cool. First of all, you get to ask a bunch of really cool questions, but right. then also you get to also think about like checklists and things like that from a perspective of if something breaks, I fall to my death like right high stakes exactly so like you you change the concept and you get to understand like okay in these contexts Mm -hmm. these things work. So then I became basically like the anti-productivity person, but it was all like, <laughs> you can be productive, but I didn't like the idea of saying, this app is what's gonna make you productive. This methodology is going to make you productive. Instead, yeah. I took it to the perspective of, a lot of people like me have been doing things not knowing that those things are actually a thing. They actually exist. Mm -hmm. They've had mm -hmm. their own funny names for them. And <laughs> you know what? Let's embrace that. And that's what became the show that I do now, Conduit, which is myself and my my co-host, Kathy Campbell, who literally does productivity as a business. It is it is her job to do the productivity and like make sure that business owners and CEOs are effective at their job. So and like she manages the productivity side of all of that. And she's always hiring, bringing on new, like she's always like trying to bring in new clients and stuff. So if you have a business and you're struggling, like Mrs. Soup on Twitter, shout out to Kathy because she's amazing. But what we did was we decided to put a unique spin on productivity, being it 100% personal, 100% authentic. This is just how, like I keep wanting to say, this is how we do it. But like, like literally like that, that yeah. mindset. So the very first episode was name your system. And it was, let's talk about what we do, but let's give it a name. And it can't be, oh, the Eisenhower method or GTD or this. this. It's like mine was the Silk Sonic method because Silk Sonic, the band had just like dropped like their, that first, that first track. And I was listening to it all the time. And mm -hmm. the thing that I, I liked about that idea was the band Silk Sonic was an old school, like it had that very old school feel to it, but it was working in like a modern approach. And my productivity is still very much when in doubt, I open up a notebook and I just start writing stuff down. Mm -hmm. Like I still go back to like, do this now, you're fired. You know, no one cares <laughs> if you do this stuff later. But I, I put it in a bunch of lists and I, I do brain dumps all the time. And like I take stuff and I'll take it from one page and write it again in another page and people are like oh it's so inefficient well it helps me get my job done right yeah again it's a very old school approach working in a very new like high technology space so it it just made sense like right, it's like silk sonic so i called it the silk sonic method and you know <laughs> and kathy being the she her her title is the business unicorn because that's literally it's like magic what she's able to do so she called hers like the the unicorn system i was like this is this is awesome because <laughs> what it did was it it gave us an attachment and an affinity for what we were doing not yeah. necessarily this level of dread and right. i i think that you know to tie all of this into the the greater adhd conversation we often need to be excited about the mm -hmm. thing that we're doing. We need to feel an attachment to the thing that we're doing. And the thing I love most about my job is that I can work on a thing while I'm excited about it and then put it down when it starts to bore me. And it's like my job is constantly picking things up, being excited about them and then putting them down. So having and creating ways to be excited about thinking about, you know, working and living and doing and being just better. That, again, 
now that I know, now that I'm going to, you know, now that I've been diagnosed, like, oh, hey, this is how my brain works. And yes, you're tricking it and giving it like all the dopamine hits and all of those things. Like, <laughs> cool. That's great. That's awesome. But what's more awesome is I feel like I'm excited to do things that other people are like, oh, why do you like, oh, you're, you're writing, you don't have like a, a project manager or something. And I was like, yeah, I have to use it for work. And I just copy things that are near and put it in there. Oh, that's so inefficient. I was like, no, no, you don't understand. <laughs> this is where the work happens. That's mm -hmm. just how I report on it. So. Right, right. <laughs> awesome. Well, I, th I think that's a, a great uh, transition talking about like the things that excite us. This is a part of the show called Shiny Objects, where we talk about something that, you know, whatever's kind of grabbing your fancy lately, something maybe you could recommend to uh, the listeners. Uh, yeah, what is what is the big shiny object going on? Uh, if you have two, you could pop in a second brief okay. one. But yeah, what are some what are some shiny objects going on in your life? So I'm, I'm going to go with an I'm going to go with an old one that is near and dear to my heart. And I'm going to go with a new one that Technically, I work on it for work, but it's also my project and it's like my passion project. So and it predates my working agreements. So um, <laughs> awesome. the old school thing is my affinity for Tetris. Uh, if you've mm -hmm. had any conversation with me, I have played Tetris since I was the littlest of kids. Like <laughs> that was like one of the first video games I was ever introduced to, like on my grandfather's old computer. He had like a, a copy of Tetris on like Windows 95. I grew up around Tetris and other puzzle games. And a few years ago, my wife bought me a Nintendo Entertainment System, the old school Nintendo that I had nice. as a kid that I had when I was like seven or eight uh, and a copy of the original Tetris that is literally older than I am. So <laughs> <laughs> that is so, awesome. Uh, it's, it's funny, but very true in that I now have 10, no, like one, two, I have nine versions of Tetris that I can play in my house. Wow. That, that's, uh, that's, that's legit right there. Yeah. I only play like one or two, but I have, yeah. I have nine total that I could, I could go with. So I'm, I'm curious, are you a fan of the newer version? There's, is it Tetris Effect, I believe it's yeah. called? I have two copies of Tetris Effect. <laughs> <laughs> I have one for Xbox and one for PlayStation. That's awesome. I'm, I'm a big uh, Xbox guy. So okay, yeah, okay. Te Tetris I just, Effect. I just got mine, so might, might need to link up and yeah, <laughs> let's try let's to figure out what to do with it. <laughs> yeah, so Tetris Effect, uh, that's one I'm saying old school gamer. I've been gaming forever. I don't have nine copies of Tetris or anything, <laughs> but a uh, big fan of it. It's Tetris Effect. I love how they've kind of modernized it without, you know, obviously without changing the gameplay, which is which is pure. But the yeah. way they've sort of made it, you know, it's like adding music and effects like that. I kind of love it. It's like a great zone out game for me when I'm just like, I like, I just need to relax and maybe not, you know, shoot whatever kind of, you know, yeah. whatever kind of game like that. Just something to chill on the couch. Uh, I love doing, you know, a good half an hour or, you know, 20 minutes or so of Tetris Effect. That's a fun one. The thing I like about Tetris, and, and again, like the game, the one that I play most is classic Tetris. Again, the one that was released in 1988. And right. Made available on Nintendo in 1989. Um, but it it allows my brain to be engaged without the results mattering. You know, yeah. I, again, we, we are in such a space where I make a lot of stuff and the stuff that I build is often directly impacted on either A, my job, or a way that I make money as like an independent contractor or, you know, things like that. So there are times when I need to get away from that. But I, if my brain isn't engaged, I will like 
my coping mechanism is spending money, which is not a good thing. <laughs> like, oh, I'm <laughs> right. bored. What's on Amazon? <laughs> like, let's just, you know, yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. Let's buy an inflatable like raptor. Oh, inflatable raptor. Add that. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> right. But like, it's so having something that keeps my brain actively engaged and it and playing at a speed and skill set that I have to have my brain engaged because I'm not thinking about the current piece I'm on. I'm thinking about the next piece. So mm-hmm. it's, it's like this constant, put this piece here while you're thinking about where this one's going to go and right. like constantly mm-hmm. swapping and swapping and swapping. And if I die, oh, well, like, oh, the, the board filled, hit start, hit start, start over, keep going. Right. <laughs> like it's, it's there. That makes, it centers me in, in a way. And again, the, I, do believe that for a while this was medication for me in some ways because there would be days where I would play Tetris, like the same game, the same Tetris that we all know and love for like six to like eight hours straight Mm. because Mm -hmm. I just needed to not be thinking about whatever it is I had to go through that day. And I I needed Mm -hmm. to get away from it. I was like, I'm going to pick up the sticks. I'm just going to start playing. And then I look over and it's like two in the morning and I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. cool so and uh what was your what was your second shiny object so we hinted at it a little bit like i am big on equalizing the the career field for technology i'm a college dropout i wear it with a badge of honor college was not going to be a thing for me not at that age and at this point in my career it doesn't make sense to go back just for a piece of paper um Mm -hmm. that Uh, being also, also a college dropout here. I think there, yeah. I think there are lots of us. <laughs> I, I, I go talk. To, I talk at schools, and they're like, "Oh, what school did you go to?" And I was like, ah. <laughs> "About <Right>. that." <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that I've learned is that the community can be that equalizer that college often is. College mm-hmm. tends to be a way for people to get into the industry. I have never gotten a job that I didn't either know somebody that has seen my work and could vouch for like what my skill set was or knew somebody that knew somebody that knew somebody that was hiring and like, you know, that networking mm-hmm. type thing. Uh, so I built uh, this app called diversityorgs.tech and it kind of takes that same idea that I made for my, my sister, but puts it towards building online community. So if you work in tech and you want to find people that look or you know live like you do you Mm. can go to it you can search you know i i have um, from georgia you know i'm from tennessee then georgia so my my example is always like if i put in python black atlanta i can see all the organizations that cater to black developers in the atlanta area and Mm. right now there are 600 close to 600 i think 570 like two organizations in there i have handpicked all of these (laughs) Um, and done a lot of, of crunching that data and putting it into this app or this web app. And again, it's at diversityorgs.tech, uh, where you can find it. It's free. You don't need a user account. I just rebuilt the entire site, uh, to one, learn about some technology for work, but also to make it a little bit more manageable. If you're an organizer, you can now own your organization and make all those changes that probably need to be made. Because I literally just went on Twitter and started asking people and then logged stuff. <laughs> but you can also, nice. if you if you're an API person, you can make your own version or you can grab the data that I've you know put together and you can put it on your site. Because honestly, I'm not 
it's not a project for me to make money. It's a project for people that remind me of myself who are struggling to find a place where they belong hmm. to make it easier for them to do that. So I'm hoping that cities will do this. I'm hoping that, you know, people who are interested in starting their own organizations will do this and have their own way of like collecting, like just managing their own like space for it. And honestly, like it's, it's, it's been my shiny because for the last <laughs> Two months, it has been the thing that like my team has graciously allowed me to just work on nonstop and just all the feedback of like, hey, I'm working in this new space, brand new. This is this has been what I talk about in meetings. Like, oh, hey, I was building this thing and like I ran into this problem. Has anybody seen this before? But mm -hmm. also knowing that at the end of the day, you know, the fruits of my labor are going to a good cause and for helping to equalize the playing field more for people in tech who are underrepresented and finding organizations, mm -hmm. not organizations that just say we want to be inclusive and all that, but no, saying this is an organization that is specifically made up of people that are just like you, that, mm -hmm. that get it, that understand. These are This is a group of people who all have ADHD. This is a group of people who all have accessibility needs, which I think is a global thing, but like, that's fine. These are people who are black. These are people who are the you know in, in the Latinx community, there's people in the LGBTQIA plus community, and these are people in your area, and mm -hmm. they're working on the same tech that you're working on. They're working on the same like skills that you're working on. All those things. When I say that this is like the most important thing, one of the most important things I've ever gotten to work on and like get paid to work on in some ways. Like like I'm really blessed, really privileged to be able to do that, and I'd be it'd be irresponsible of me not to share that with everybody. So yeah, again, that's been my new shiny because like yeah, that's all yeah, I've been obsessed awesome. with for months now. So right, that that's great, uh, and we'll have uh, links to all that in the show notes. Back on the the gaming theme, I was just gonna do for my shiny object. I got a few weeks ago. I ordered it like a year ago, I think, and it just showed up. There's this uh, tiny little console called the Playdate. Play yes, oh! yeah, and I don't uh, have one, a, but I'm so interested. Oh, that's so it's so fun. So if uh, for people that aren't aware, it's a tiny, it's like a little handheld, but really small, like almost like the size of a deck of cards. Um, and it has a black and white screen and it has it has like your normal D-pad and AB button. And then it has a crank on the side, which people look at it and you think like, do you charge it with the crank or something like that? And like, no, it's just, it's the interface for controlling the game. So there's yeah. like, there's a game sort of like Asteroids and you use the crank to sort of control where you're going. Uh, there's there's a fun game, oh, I can't remember the name of it right now. Oh, it's, I think it's called Casual Birdwatcher. I think that's it. <laughs> and you use the crank to focus your camera. Um, oh, anyway, wow. it's such a cool little device because they're uh, the way it works, I think there's 20 games and every week you get two more of the games. So like every Monday morning I turn it on and there's two new games to try out. And because it's kind of one of those things where um, creativity thriving under constraints because because mm -hmm. it's a very limited device like it's not processor heavy the graphics are you know like i said it's just black and white this tiny little screen you only have a few buttons and this crank and people are just coming up with the most like creative games so i love it if you're a fan of like indie games like this is just a device full of all these like people throwing in their most creative ideas and yeah i love it like you said it's it's hard to find i lucked out i happened i ordered it like within the first minute the pre-orders went live oh, wow. and i got in that first group <laughs> and i know they're on pre-order 
forward right now. But yeah, it I, is. I was, was going to say just the the re- the release, the wait for release between when we record this and when it goes out. I still think that it'll be hard to get. So <laughs> probably you're like, yeah, I just got uh-huh. mine. And people are like, hey, I just got mine too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much uh, for being here uh, today. It was great to chat and get to know you more and hear about kind of your history with ADHD and all the cool things that you're that you're doing and working on. Uh, where can people go if they want to, uh, you know, follow you, see other stuff you're working on, stuff like that? So jmiller.com, that's spelled K-J-A-Y Miller.com. I did that intentionally because I knew it would throw people off. Uh, but <laughs> K-J-A-Y Miller.com. Also, I'm on LinkedIn for professional stuff and then YouTube and Twitter. I think that's it. I don't I don't do too much social stuff. TikTok, who knows by the time this comes out, I might be on TikTok doing stuff. We'll see. Um, but all of those are going to be at KJAY Miller. That is that is the brand. That is that is me. That is where I am. And yeah, there you can get links to uh, Conduit, the show that I do. You can get, you know, again my YouTube channel where I talk about apps and gadgets and programming from time to time. I try to let my company own all that stuff because they pay me to do it. Cool. So yeah, we'll have we'll have links to all that again in the show notes. And uh, yeah, this is awesome. Thank you uh, so much for being here. Awesome. Thank you. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. I especially want to thank our VIP patrons, Luce Carter, Richard Stevens, Todd Barnett, and Dan Ott. It helps me do this show and the other work I do. So thank you so much for the support. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash Jesse J. That's J-E-S-S-E-J. You can always support the show for free by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or the podcast player of your choice. Full show notes and transcripts are available at ADHDnerds.com.